Gosuke Kacho his second at bat 0 for 1 of the night. And still looking for that first big league knock. There it is. <laughs> That's more than a flare. He's thinking two. And he is in there with a double. It is another series win for the Blue Jays, taking three out of four from the Boston Red Sox. Welcome back to Section 138, Episode 195. I will be your host this week, Bryson Poza, joined alongside Jacob. Jacob, how are you? Three out of four, another series win. It's still really good. It's still a really good time to be a Blue Jays fan. I'll tell you what, this was a good series. Too bad the one loss was the one loss that I attended, but uh, you know what? I'll take it. Not a not a huge offensive performance. Three out of four is still three out of four. You're at the top of the AL East. Things couldn't be better as you welcome the Astros for the weekend. That's right. We had the pleasure of being, well, I shouldn't say the pleasure because of the game, but (laughs) we were all there on Wednesday, and it was pretty much the worst game of the series. Uh, Also, our usual host, Mark Colley, was unable to join us this week. He will be back at the end of the weekend to recap the upcoming Jays and Astros series. So you kind of hinted at it, Jacob. Those those two or last two games of the series weren't exactly the most exciting ones. So I guess we'll start off with the first two, which were the most exciting ones. So specifically on game one, um, this was obviously the opening game of the series. Another kind of game where the Jays start off slow. They don't score until the fifth inning when Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hits a home run. And of course, we all know what happened in the eighth inning when Santiago Espinal, Bradley Zimmer, and George single, uh, sorry, George Springer singled, loading the bases for Bo Bichette, who has been in a slump. I mean, we all know how he's been struggling. We've been talking about it so many different times. 103 miles, uh, sorry, exit velocity, two right field, uh, 344 feet, opposite field grand slam with, for the Blue Jays to take the lead. The go-ahead grand slam, which pretty much exciting uh another kind of playoff like atmosphere and of course it was definitely one of the best games from the bats uh this series if not the best so you have that going on Jose Barrios also started that game he's starting to get back on the right track um and we'll see what happens with that but somebody or sorry for somebody who started off the season he the way he did these last three starts he's consistently getting or he's been better and better consistently each time and I think it's getting very noticeable throughout uh, the rest of the team and of course uh, the rest of the league oh absolutely and you look at Jose Brio specifically he I know he only threw a third of an inning so that's going to inflate his numbers but he started off not great I think he he admitted it that the uh, home opener atmosphere got to him but he's been fantastic since then, and he's, you know, we talk about, is it Kevin Gosman or is it Barrios as the ace? I'm happy to have that conversation because it proves you have two guys, if not three, in Alec Manoa that could be an ace on this staff. But, yeah, overall, like, a, it was a good series. I, I don't think that you can be overly angry with taking three out of four, except for the fact that, yeah, the guys still aren't clicking. Bo Bichette, you know, really in this, uh, in these last, so in these last four games, still, he hit that grand slam. He had 16 at-bats in the series. He had three hits. So, still slumping. You know, it is it is getting a little bit later into the season now. We're in April 29th, I believe, or 28th. Yeah, 29th. So, roughly a month into the season, still kind of slumping. But, as I said last time in the last series, I'm not worried. He'll get things going. And we've seen it, really, throughout his first two, uh, equivalent of two seasons in the majors. But, one thing I am a little worried about of this series, and you, know, you talk about the offense, the bullpen was fantastic. Rotation was fantastic. Ross Stripling, again, 
even even though they did kind of lose seven to one, it looked a little bit inflated at the end of the game on Wednesday. Ross Stripling had a fantastic outing. I don't think he, or excuse me, he allowed one earned run in the first inning, and then that was it. But the one thing that I am a little worried about for this whole, not even the series, but going forward, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And we were there on Wednesday when he fouled a ball off of, I don't even know what the bone is called, but it's like that in between the shin and the ankle, and like right above his foot, or like just before his foot. And he was down for maybe a solid two or three minutes, and the entire stadium went quiet. And for good reason. Like, this is the guy that is supposed to be your MVP. And Teoscar Hernandez is already out. What do you do from there? And he was he finished that game, which was good. Very promising. I do believe that nothing has been structurally damaged as, as long as... Uh, or as uh, I don't think that anything has been there to prove me wrong. But he was out of the lineup Thursday. A little bit concerned there. You hope that nothing's wrong. You uh, You hope that... This is just a day off. He seemed okay. I don't think he had a boot on or anything on Thursday, but I pray that that is just a, you know, a one-off. Maybe he sits out today or uh, you know, maybe Friday, Saturday, something like that if it, it gets to that point, but the health of him is a little bit concerning for me considering that there are also injuries and the offense is uh, it's not really clicking, but I'll take it. I mean, when you can take 3 out of 4 and score two runs combined over your final two games of that four-game series, it's it proves that this team can win in any situation. And we talk about playoffs. You don't win playoffs by blowing out your opponents. You win playoffs by just barely beating your opponents. And the Blue Jays can do both of those. So I'm not overly worried. I think it'll be a good series. I know today on uh, on Friday night, they have the Astros coming to town. Looks like it's going to be Kikuchi versus uh, Yurkidi. Will be interesting. Uh, Kikuchi's, this is now his second start against the uh, the Astros. Second, start, second straight start against the Astros. So... Love to see how this one goes. You know, it's it's uh, it'll be a good series actually. As I look at it, and you see Gosman and Brio. So overall, I think it'll be a good series. You got your you, the head of your rotation coming in to finish it. All I can pray for is that the injuries and the offense do start to pick up because, or the injuries don't pick up and the offense does pick up because easily could be, you know, easily could have been a three out of four for the Red Sox if the Blue Jays hadn't have, uh, hadn't have gone differently. Absolutely. And on a side note, for Jose Brios, ever since opening day, uh, he's made three starts. I'll go through his pitching lines quickly. So April 13th at New York, five innings, um, six hits, three earned runs, and five strikeouts. April 20th against the Red Sox, uh, six innings, eight hits, one earned run, six strikeouts. And I think this most recent one was definitely the most sharpest we saw. Brios, he start, and he especially started warming up in terms of striking out more people throughout the later part of his start. So seven innings, uh, five hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts. His curveball was really effective in this one, I thought. Uh, his four-seam sinker changeup were also really good. So that's good to see that he's starting to pick it up a bit. You were mentioning Bichette. We know he's been slumping a little bit, but that was also good to see him hit that grand slam. So let's talk about more about what you were talking about in game two. You mentioned Kevin Gosman. I want to start with Kevin Gosman. I mean, what a dominant performance from him once again. It's just pretty set in stone that this team now, especially with Barrios getting going, especially with Alec Manoa, who we're also going to talk about later on, this is like a three-headed monster, uh, what you're what you're pretty much starting to see with the starting rotation. So Kevin Gosman, I mean, has been absolutely phenomenal, pretty much every sort of 
every part of his start. It's pretty hard to do that, especially against the same team for the second time in two weeks. And he did just that against the Red Sox. So that was also really good to see on that one. Six innings, one, uh, sorry, zero earned runs, four hits allowed, and he struck out nine. So his fastball was up at 98. Tons of swing and misses with the splitter. And I think his splitter specifically has been one of the most dominant pitches in baseball right now. But I just, in terms of that three-headed monster in that starting rotation, you got to imagine that if things continue the way that they are and Barrios even gets or gets even more sharp than what we've seen, it's pretty you're pretty confident with that starting rotation right now. And pretty much how it started, it has kind of done a complete 180 over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and of course, the offense does remain a little bit of a concern. But in this one, uh, the offense was pretty much scoring runs. I mean, we saw how crazy it was. Uh, the Jays got out to a t- an early 2-0 lead uh, from Springer and Espinal singles. And then, of course, in the eighth inning, it was a rough eight eighth inning in game two uh Jimmy Garcia comes out of the bullpen allows four earned runs which was a rough inning and then of course the Jays tie the game later in the ninth Tapia started off the ninth inning with the double and then Espinal brought him home with the double and then of course we all know what happened with George Springer on second base who had a go or sorry a game tying home run to straightaway center field so that was really impressive but the fact that the Jays are still winning these games, these run, these one-run games that they continue to still win games about, especially when you're getting starts from Kevin Gosman or you know gems from Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa, Jose Brios, it's really conf- it's really good to see, especially from so someone like Kevin Gosman. That splitter is one of the most dominant pitches right now in baseball. Oh, a hundred percent. And even I look at Brios, and I think I'm a little bit more impressed with what his pitches are doing. Because if you watch, like, if you go and look at any of his starts, I mean, really any of his starts throughout his career, but primarily in the uh, in the home opener, his pitches, like, regardless of if it's a strike or not, it moves. Like, if you're watching Pitch Tracker, it, it just, it almost moves as if it's a car sliding on ice. Like, it'll it'll start in one area and dive to the complete, complete other area. And the danger is with that is if you don't have your proper release point, it could look like a strike and then not be a ball and hitter just doesn't hit it or lays off of it. But... For him, he's he's getting those pitches where they need to be, and when you have a lot of movement in the strike zone and then towards the borderlines of of you know the upper, the inner, anywhere, that's a really really good pitch. And his pitches, they've they've always had a lot of life on them. They just weren't really hitting, or he wasn't really hitting his spots early on. But yeah, Kevin Gosman, I I mean I don't know what, what really what else there is to say. It's only been what four starts, three starts, and he's this dominant already. I mean. Blue Jays paid him. They 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 locked him up for a long time for this reason. So, I I like we, to be fair, like we could expect this, but it's just to actually see it happen. And in the the twenty nineteen and twenty twenty numbers aren't necessarily a fluke. You know him coming over here and and being dominant. It is really, uh, it's very reassuring. I think for this rotation to have that many guys. You know you have him, Manoa, Barrios, like that big three. Those three. Those three could carry you if if you needed to in in any type of situation where you need like a, a playoff series. But yeah, he clearly right now is you know he's the head of the rotation. He threw five and uh, five and two thirds in his first start, eight innings. We all all remember that against the Red Sox, and then six in the last one. He's just you can't hit him like at all. And if you're, uh, I don't believe so. I think his next start will probably be against. Uh, it's not. A, I don't think it'll be in this start, or maybe it will. I don't know, but I think it actually might be in the Astro series. So yeah, like you're you're facing good teams, and the first thirty days of the season was going to be against good teams, like the Astros, the Red Sox, uh, Rangers, and Athletics aren't great, but like you're facing good teams, especially the Yankees, and you're lining him up for most of these starts. You know, we talk about how the Blue Jays 
somewhat intentionally started Manoa or have Manoa lined up to start a lot against the Yankees, that's for good reasons. He's a good pitcher. The Yankees haven't figured him out. But with Kevin Gosman especially, like you're you're facing good teams. You're supposed to be a good team. And it's, it's proving why you're a good team because you have these good pitchers who can just, even if the offense isn't doing what it needs to do, like if you, I hate to say this, but if you need a guy to go have a shutout inning or a shutout appearance, he can do it. And Kevin Gosman has just done that pretty much all season long. Like he's, I think this is probably, man, when was the last time the Blue Jays had a true ace other than, I don't even, well, except maybe 2019 with Ryu or 2020 with Ryu, but like he is a true ace in baseball. Like and Blue Jays have him. They've locked him up. And yeah, one of the best parts is is he's here for five years. He's here for this entire season. And again, we talk about last season how he the Blue Jays they got going in the second half of the season with you know, once they got Simber, uh Burrios, all these guys. They're starting, like they're hitting the ground running with these players at the very beginning of the season. And so it's just it it's very intriguing to see where this team will finally finish because they have once the offense starts clicking, they have the probably the best offense, one of the best rotations, and quietly this bullpen has proven to be one of the best bullpens in baseball. And oh man, it's it's just the credit to I think Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins is just it's immense right now because what they've created from day one is a championship team with the with this rotation. Yeah, uh, every pretty much up until I guess you can you can count the series finale in Houston. And then you can count what happened in the eighth inning as pretty, or with Jimmy Garcia. Those are really the only hiccups that the bullpen was or had. And of course, there was also one in Game Three, which I'll ask you about in a sec. But other other than that, the bullpen has definitely been effective. The pitching is again has completely turned in a different direction. Kevin Gosman was one of the guys who actually started off on a good note. So the fact that now they're all clicking at the same time, or at least those big three, it's definitely scary for it's just definitely a scary rotation and one of the best ones. The one thing I want to talk to you about too is the Rymel Tapia at bat in extra innings. I mean, that was pretty pretty solid at bat, which won the Jays the game, obviously. So we mentioned it. George Springer hit a game time. Uh, two-run home run in the ninth inning, which was pretty much the clutch factor with George Springer. We know that George Springer is going to be, he's pretty much clutch in terms of all of that. We expect that from him as much as that's crazy to say. It is true that you know that he's going to try and put up, you know, a great at-bat. So that happens, and then you head to the 10th inning. So first of all, Jordan Romano comes in in the top of the 10th and then gets a scoreless uh, appearance, which was good. You know, the runner on second base, it's always kind of hard to do that, especially in extra innings. So, because the game was tied, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is intentionally walked. Bo Bichette was already on second base from the runner, uh, the extra innings rule. And then Alejandro Kirk walks. So the bases are loaded for Rymel Tapia, who br- who brought in Bo Bichette from a sack fly. But Rymel Tapia's at-bat specifically, it was a nine-pitch at-bat. He fouled off a ton of pitches to stay alive. And then, of course, the one pitch that he did hit, I believe the count was two and two when he did hit it. Uh, it, was a, it was a slider, a pop fly to center field, or sorry, left field, which won the Jays the game. And that's pretty much all they needed. But for me, bringing in Ryan Maltapia, we know that he he hasn't been off to the greatest start, but you see that he's showing flashes of the player he was last year in Colorado. I'm not saying he's going to replicate that, but the player that Ryan Maltapia is, he's always a guy that is tough to strike out as much as he has been striking out a little bit more this year compared to what he has been last year. But relatively, he is a 
a guy that swings at a lot of pitches, but he makes a lot of contact, even if it's a foul ball. He keeps the inning alive. He keeps the at-bat alive. And I thought in this case, it was one of the, one of the reasons why uh, the Jays won the game. And if you want to even go back beforehand, when he got the leadoff double in the, or it was, I think, the eighth inning or the ninth inning later on in the game. I think it was the ninth inning. He was the one that started that rally with the leadoff double, and then he came around when Espinal uh, brought him home with another double later on. So Rymel Tapia in this game had his fingerprints all over this game, all over this win, and that's sack fly specifically. I mean, a nine-pitch at-bat, you can't really ask for anything more in an extra inning situation like that. Yeah, well, I mean, we talk about his his start has definitely definitely been slow. His defense hasn't been slow. I, I think we can all agree with that. He made a nice catch in uh, yesterday's game where he like jumped up he actually got his foot caught in the uh, like the netting in the outfield, and he still caught it. Thank God nothing bad happened there, because he could have easily sh- like sh- twisted his ankle badly. But his defense has been good. He is he's like Usain Bolt on the uh, on the base pass. Like he's <laughs> fast. You, you hit a like we talk about like a first to third or first to home double. Like if somebody hits that and he's already on first, he can easily run there. And he's I I, I hate to say this, but he's he's better than Randall Gritchick. In terms of what the Blue Jays need, like they don't need a guy that can hit a couple home runs or a bunch of home runs and be okay. Like they need a guy that's just fast and that complements the players that they have, and he he does that. And I mean, also with that at bat, it was a down. I think it was a down and away pitch. Like it was away. I don't know exactly how or don't remember exactly how low it is, but it was away enough to prove that his plate coverage it's there and he's doing basically what the Blue Jays need. Like they don't need a home run hitter. They just need somebody that can cover the plate. And do the the little things here and there to lead to wins. And I, I honestly like it. It was a fantastic at bat. He knew his role was just get that runner home. Like you don't need a grand slam like Bobachet. You don't even need a double. You don't like you don't need to win four or, or you don't need to win seven to five. You just need to win six to five. You got that runner home, and it just. I think the other good thing is it didn't waste. Uh, and I'm not saying that he would have wasted it, but it, the winning of that game did not waste what happened earlier with, with George Springer tying the game in the ninth inning, really cementing that whole comeback. Because, you know, you've seen that. I think we've all seen that throughout the years is that, you know, the team will tie it. They'll just barely tie it, and then they end up losing. But with that, it proved that, or or for Raimel Tapia, it just it really cemented that win. It cemented the series win because at worst, after that game, they could have got a split. But they win the series because of it or in part by it and yeah it's you know you you hope that with Rymel Tapia he has I think he's gotten to more games that he than both he and we have expected him to get into this season uh, at least so far just with Teoscar Hernandez being out but if I think it's looking like he's Teoscar's out maybe another week at best maybe I think he started uh, baseball activities and started I think he started hitting too so he's not too far out I'm fine with with Raimel Tapia, you know, playing a little bit more than he's expected to once Teoscar Hernandez is back. Because you do have that DH spot. I know Kirk has been taking it a lot, but you do have that DH spot that you can maybe put Vladdy in at uh, at uh, at uh, DH. You put, I don't know, someone else at first base. You have Tapia in the outfield. Like, you have the flexibility to do it. And especially with Kevin Biggio not on the roster anymore. I mean, I know he's on the, uh, or on the uh, COVID IL he easily could get into a lot more games. And I think this, again, it it's a lower risk deal by Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, but it's paying off because it's doing exactly what the Blue Jays need. Like I said, they don't need a home run hitter. They just need a guy that can get on base, get you hits, and Raimel Tapia is doing that for him. Yeah, it's just, <clears throat> it's remarkable to me that this team still finds ways to win just because of everything that we went through last year. All these one run games, we know that 
pretty much the strength of schedule they have right now. It is insane. You see the Red Sox and Astros pretty much the same thing back-to-back weeks, back-to-back weekends now for the Astros in particular who come into town tonight to start a three-game series. So that's the crazy thing for me. And yeah, for Ryan Maltapi, I just, I think too many people just expect, you know, like 30 home runs like you were talking about with Randall Grichuk. That's not what the Jays need. They already have that, right? So you try and have Tapia contribute in ways that somebody like Grichuk could not. And that I think that's the, well, that's the entire idea of the trade, whether you agree with it or not. Of course, there are some people who still disagree with it, but I just thought in particular that game alone was definitely one of the reasons why uh, the Jays won that, that game in that game in particular. So, you know, the Jays right now, 13 and seven, uh, I believe tied for the best record in the American league, or at least up there uh, along with the Yankees and the angels thus far. So they're doing pretty good with that strength of schedule. They're finding ways to win. You can't complain despite the few hiccups from the bullpen that have pretty much been, it's been noticeable, I guess the last couple series in particular, because we just haven't really seen it at all this year. So that kind of brings me to game three because game three, we know, now, the second half of the series is this when the bats go cold, despite even the win yesterday in Game 4. But it was a rough one for the Jays, uh, in particular, for Game 3 the night we were there. So, you know, the offense put up one run on five hits, and I think the only really standout from that night was Ross Stripling. One of the best starts that he's made this year. He goes five innings, and that's something that he hasn't gotten to yet. He's been at four innings in his first two starts ever since joining the rotation, replacing Hunjin Ryu. So he gets to five innings, one earned run. He strikes out seven. You know, his fastball was even a little bit more or um, in terms of velocity than what we usually see from Stripling. He touched 95 with his fastball, and his, he produced a lot of weak contact, and that was probably his most dominant pitch uh, when it was at 95. His changeup was also really good. So... That was the only really highlight from that game. And, of course, things fell apart in the 6th, the 8th, and the ninth, And that's where the bullpen allowed six earned runs uh, between those three innings that I just mentioned. And that's pretty much what happened in terms of the the team falling apart and losing at the end of the day 7-1. So Trent Thornton comes out in the 6th inning, and this is the inning where things fall apart. It's a 1-1 game, and you bring in Trent Thornton, who comes out of the bullpen, a lot of people disagreed with Charlie Montoya bringing out Trent Thornton in that kind of high leverage situation. So I, I understand if maybe there were certain players or pitchers that Charlie was, I guess, un, you know, that were unavailable at that time uh, because maybe of workload or whatnot. But you obviously do have other options. Trent Thornton has been off to a good start. We know that. But is it still, you know... Do you still feel comfortable bringing in somebody like Trent Thornton in a tie game like that? I just wanted to get your thoughts on that due to the, I guess, a lot of people disagreeing with that. See, Trent Thornton going into that start has allowed one earned run all season. I say you trust him until you can't. You know, and the bullpen's been good. I'm not saying you absolutely, like, desperately need him to be on this roster, but he's proving that he should be. And yes, he's, you know, 2019, 2020, 21, kind of rough years. He had, you know, flashes of, of not being awful or flashes of being really good and then flashes of being bad this season he's been i mean really even with the two earned runs allowed in that game era is still under three it's at 270 still very good yes it's not a ton of appearances only uh, only a handful of appearances less than 10 so i get it if people are saying it's too early to tell if he's good or if he's having a good season i say you trust him at that point like it's you trust him until you can't and even now i still think you can like i wouldn't say that a two or two run uh appearance for against the the red Sox is indicative of what he is this season i just give him a chance like th- th- and that's fair to say and also the blue jays have played so many one run games that 
eventually you're going to burn out the key players or, or the key relievers if this continues. Like you can't rely on Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, Yimmy Garcia, uh, Tim Meza, Jordan Romano. I know that's like half the bullpen, but you can't rely on those specific guys every single game because there's like yes they could pitch in theory every game or every other game but there's that's not realistic and you got to be creative with what you have and you know uh, with Trent Thornton specifically I think he's proven that he can at least get a shot at playing uh, in higher leverage situations and he's not just a uh, what we saw last year towards the end of the season where he comes in when the team's down a lot or up a lot and they just need to, to get through the games and eat up innings like he's proven that he can take up high leverage situations so yeah I, I don't really have anything against the move and also, I think if that did work, say he didn't allow a run, Blue Jays still would have lost that game. I mean, m maybe the situation would have been a little bit different if they were not down at that point. But you know what I mean? Like, it, it was still, like, we can't really blame Trent Thornton specifically on that loss or Charlie Montoyo for bringing him into that loss because the the offense, like, it, it went completely cold. And it, honestly, like, it, I still think it worked. Like, yeah, okay, two runs over an inning, not great if you're a reliever, but... I'm not mad at it. I still give him high leverage situations until he proves otherwise. Yeah, it's just, to me, we don't know the full, I guess, context behind it. Again, who was available, who wasn't. If there were other people available, I'd probably rather have other people come into the game. So it's just, it's tough to say on that one, but that was definitely noticeable on that. And you were saying it too. I mean, as much as the game did off or end off in 7 1, throughout the entire game the offense was cold I think the only run pretty much came in from grounding out into a double play and that's pretty much the only thing that happened with that so it was flashes of the offense that we saw earlier in the first couple weeks of the season you know runners in scoring position 0 for 6 you, you leave seven runners on base kind of a complete I guess 180 from what you saw the first two games of the series so you got to find ways to put up runs we know this and um you know, specifically at the end of the series, too, you were talking about it. This was the game that Vladimir Guerrero Jr., or you are talking about early on, fouled the pitch off of his foot or, you know, that area around his foot. And then you see the absence of him in the lineup. And then you take a look at the lineup and how, I guess, weak it is when you're missing guys like Hernandez, when you're missing guys like Vladdy. So the expectation, I think, is for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that he is going to be back tonight, which is definitely reassuring. But... Overall, yeah, that, that game for the offense wasn't exactly the greatest. And, of course, you know, other guys that came in later on that had trouble out of the bullpen, too, was Julian Merriweather, who hasn't exactly been off to the greatest start this season compared to we saw in the first weekend of the season last April. So you hope that he figures it out soon. Andrew Vasquez came in, who made a season debut, pretty much coming on the roster for Ryan Barucki, who is um, placed on the 10-day IL with a blister on his right, or right middle finger, I believe. And then Bowden Francis, who was a prospect, the other guy included in the Rowdy Teles trade for Trevor Richards, came in. He made his MLB debut, so good for him on that. He's going to be with the bullpen for the next few days, and then we'll see what happens when the roster does shrink in a couple days, and there's going to be lots going on with that. So that brings us to Game 4, which was the season or series finale, and of course the Jays clinching the series win on this one. We spoke about how good the rotation was, specifically in this one. It was Alec Manoa, and it just... It's like repeat for him. He comes out every five days, and it's been the same thing every start. He's been absolutely dominating when he's on the mound. Three hits allowed in seven innings. He walks one. He strikes out seven. And his fastball and slider in particular were insane. They were dominant, producing lots of swing and misses. So that was really, you know, assuring to see. And that's pretty much what we're, we expect out of Alec Manoa now. I mean, the team plays well when he pitches. It's just everything about, you know, when he steps on the rubber, you know that, 
it there's a pretty good chance the Jays come away with that one. So that's where I just stand on it, and I think everyone else really does stand on it. I mean, it's just insane that in a game where you win one nothing, and it's again, it's crazy that you're finding ways to win like this when you just we've been through so much in terms of late inning collapses where you know you have a guy come out, he pitches seven strong innings, and while the offense puts up only one run, which came from a Alejandro Kirk single, you find a way to win the game, and that's insane to me, but I just look at Alec Manoa, the impact he has, we know about this, everything has pretty much been status quo with him, but a lot of people are bringing up that famous word at the end of the year. I don't know what you think about that. I know your hot takes, Jacob, are very <laughs> next level, so I guess I kind of give you the floor if you want to make any more, but I just wanted to recognize Alec Manoa once again, who has been by far the best pitcher on this rotation going back to the first start of the season that he made uh, at the beginning of the year. So really assuring to see that you're winning one nothing games where you're expecting the offense to put up more runs than one run. So that's pretty much where it stands on that and clinching the series win. The Jays haven't lost a series yet, which is insane that you're almost through the month of April and you're still finding ways to win series. And even at worst, you're splitting a series, which they did at the beginning of the year. That was the worst that they ever, in terms of results, they did when they went to New York. Uh, I think it was the second series of the year. So Alec Manoa, absolutely insane. I'll let you take it away if you want to mention any other you know, next-level takes. There will be zero hot takes on this episode. I made a promise. Wow. Well, it's okay. I'm all for hot takes, but it's way too early to predict end of season awards. Like, I'll g- give me maybe next month or the end of next month. We'll see. So the I don't know, end I t- of May, we will ask you the same question then. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, Alec Manoa, he's actually never lost at home. And I know he's only been in the majors for roughly the equivalent of a season. Still pretty good numbers, especially against the Red Sox. And his ERA going into last start against the Yankees, the Rays, and the Red Sox, 169. Like, he's faced these guys, and he's been dominant all season long, or, or really all all of last season and his starts this season. That's what you need. Like, if you're able to go against your division rivals, who are also good. Like, if it was the, the Orioles and he had a sub-1 ERA, we'd be like, yeah, of course, the Orioles suck. But when you're this dominant against dominant teams you're solidifying yourself to be in the majors and yeah he only made nine minor league appearances he didn't need him he's up here he's dominating against major league teams and geez like you hate to see that the players are kind of owned by teams for the first six ish years of their career but for Alec Manoa I'm glad that he's here for a long time because this team like they they're competitive because of having him on this lineup or, or in the rotation for this long so he is a guy that makes this team better. It's because he's able to go against these crucial opponents and just completely dominate them. I mean, he, he you know, look at last night or, or yesterday afternoon, zero earned runs, as you mentioned, seven strong innings, only three hits. Like, to limit a good offense to three hits over the vast majority of the game, over two-thirds of the game, it's, you couldn't ask for anything more. And to win that game one nothing, you don't, like, if Alec Manoa is anything less than perfect they lose that game and he was perfect you know what I mean so for him he was absolutely dominant the I think he can still qualify for rookie of the year or something like that I'd I'd have to check that out but yeah he's he's definitely making the case for a couple of awards I just I don't know if I'm going to necessarily make any hot takes right now but yeah for Alec Manoa 
And the Blue Jays, like, this is just a match made in heaven. He's a big-time pitcher, and I just... You know what? Fine, I'll make a hot take. If the Blue Jays are in the wild card game, Alec Manoa is my starting pitcher. Wow. It's not Gosman. It's not Wow. It's Alec Manoa. And it makes sense. Like, when you think about it, like, everybody talks about how Marcus Stroman shouldn't have started the wild card game. Or there was debate about it going into it. But this is a big-time pitcher who just feeds off the energy. And if you're Alec Manoa, honestly, I don't see why a wild card game wouldn't be the perfect situation for him. Or, like, a Game 7 situation. But, yeah, like... First of all, we got to get to the playoffs. Like, let's not talk about the playoffs until we get to the, the playoffs. But just this season, it's been complete dominance from him. Like, he's never cracked under pressure. And I can't wait to see his next start, which I think, do not believe he'll be starting in this series. Actually, might be against the Yankees again. So that'll be good. Maybe Yankees. Actually, he might have two back-to-back starts against the Yankees because they play Cleveland and then New York for two games after uh, after this series against Houston. So, Good luck to see what he, or I'd like to see what he can do against those opponents. Again, dominate the Yankees, dominate the AL East, and you'll solidify yourself in in a Blue Jays rotation. Mm-hmm. I assume, like, because the wild card changed to a wild card series, I assume you meant he's your game one starter. Just to clarify. Yeah. So yeah, like the, any type, or maybe not game one, like elimination situation. I think he's the guy that that would easily fit off of or, or feed off of a crowd or yeah, like talk, a big time. Talk moment. about an early hot take. I love that. Wow. I mean, you weren't kidding. I had to try and got something out of you. But yeah, you were talking about it earlier on. The fact that they line him up for these starts uh, against the Yankees. Like you said, he's going to see the Yankees a ton. He's, I think, on track to start either game, I think it's game two or game three of that series. And then he's going to start probably at Yankee Stadium again in a couple weeks in that short two game set. So he's lined up to do that. And I mean, everything you were saying was completely true. So the fact that he can go to places like Yankee Stadium, he can go to places or just play division rivals multiple times a year where you figure that they'd figure some stuff out on you. You figure that, you know, you'd figure something out. The fact that he continues to dominate them still is insane. And to add on to what you were saying about, you know, him pitching at home and how, you know, the Jays just succeed when that happens. So just a couple of quick numbers for you. He's won eight straight starts dating back to last season. Two earned runs or fewer in those outings. The Jays are 12-0 over his uh, last 12 starts. He's never lost a game at Rogers Center. He's 6-0 at Rogers Center. And, of course, everything about that is is insane when you think about it. So this rotation, a big three-headed monster, what you're seeing right now. You hope the back end can figure things out. We know that Yusei Kikuchi's been up and down pretty much all year, or at least for his first few starts of the month. He's had a really promising start. Then he struggled, but he's going to get the Houston Astros again tonight. And that was the team he pretty much struggled against last time. So you hope that he can figure things out. We know that Hunjin Ryu is a question mark. We don't know exactly when he's going to be back. We don't know, you know, how he's going to be when he does start again. We know he's starting to to throw again. And then, of course, other injury news you were mentioning about Teoscar Hernandez. He is starting to pitch or he's starting to hit again. Um, Light progression. He's taking batting practice again with the team. So you have to imagine that he's getting closer and closer. The Jays are still unaware if he's going to need a rehab stint or not. We don't know too much about Danny Jansen right now. I believe he's going to begin hitting off of a tee soon. But in terms of a timeline, he's going to be back way after Hernandez. As it appears that uh, his oblique injury was worse uh, than Hernandez. So things are, you know, the injuries aren't exactly what you still want. We seems like the Jays dodge a bullet with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's going to be okay, which is good. Because, again, just seeing Rymel Tapia hit cleanup, as much as we love Rymel Tapia... Not necessarily ideal for him to be hitting cleanup. Um, and, of course, the lineup itself is 
been very weak. You can even see it without Hernandez. So hopefully things are up on the rise after that. Uh, I want to give a quick honorable mention to Ghostke Kato, who had his first, um, you know, for, or he's starting to get getting more games. Kevin Biggio is on the COVID IL, like you were talking about earlier. So that opens up opportunity for him. Not only did he rick he gets to rickroll twenty five thousand people a night, but he got his first MLB hit. And I don't know if you saw the video because while well, we were all at the game, but um, you saw the video I'm sure afterward of pretty much all the, the the rest of the team giving him love after the end of the inning, which is pretty cool to see. And somebody like Ghostke Kato, who spent all those years in the minor leagues grinding away, going through a ton of adversity. I'm sure you heard his interview as well the next morning. It's just a good feel-good moment to see Ghost Kekato, um get his first MLB hit. And the other thing, too, is besides the hit, he's been putting up some pretty good at-bats, and he's been walking a lot. And I'm just saying, you know, we know that somebody like Kevin Biggio is already kind of on the outside looking in in terms of where he fits in on this roster. If Ghost Kekato continues to play well, it's going to be interesting to see the decision they make uh, when the rosters do minimize at, on May 1st and if they may have to make a decision when Kevin Biggio is back from the COVID IL. But I just wanted to give a quick honorable mention to Ghost Kato and if you wanted to add anything else. Well, yeah, also he, I talked about this a lot with Raimo Tapia, but he can, he can steal a base. Like he's pretty fast too. And he's proving that again, he's valuable on this team. And you mentioned Kevin Biggio. I don't know if we can necessarily say the same thing about him on the base paths. Like, defense is, it's okay when you put him in the right position. But Ghostkey could tell, you throw him anywhere. He's played uh, some first base. I know there was a few people at times that were a little bit concerned about it or at least worried. I'm not worried anymore. He's he's proven that he's good. Or he, he can at least handle the duties at first base. He's proven that he can steal a base. He, he's, uh, I think he, had a, he hit his first stolen base uh, in, I think it was the first game of the season, actually. He came as a pinch runner. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, eight plate appearances so far this season, uh, or 11 plate appearances, excuse me, eight at-bats. Uh, gotten into eight games, you know, not a bad first start. He got his first major league start, I think it was the the Wednesday game, or, or it was the Tuesday game. But yeah, he's like, he's just finally getting his feet wet in the major leagues. You love to see it. You love his walk-up song. I absolutely love it. And it, it still fools me. Like, we saw him, I think, two or three times in uh in Wednesday's game or on Wednesday's game and that still fooled me after the last at bat but it's for Kevin Biggio like he as much as you want him to be part of this team I Ghost Hikato is definitely making a case to stay on this uh, on this team uh, at least longer than maybe he originally envisioned is longer than the team originally envisioned but yeah like I'm not gonna get too uh ahead of it you just you're happy to see that a guy like him is finally even no matter how short-lived this specific stint is you know it's not the last and that's what i think is the best part about it is he's he'll be up and down a lot throughout this uh throughout this season and who knows when the rosters finally re-expand in september if he's not still on the lineup or, or excuse me on the roster he'll be back up for sure yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the roster when it does go down in a couple of days we know that the pitchers limit will stay at 14 throughout the rest or until the end of may so the Jays don't really need to make too many moves in terms of pitching, but you know, in terms of their bench, it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. And if they do, maybe send down one pitcher while they're at it. It's you know, it's something that it's kind of all up for discussion. So yeah, I mean, Ghost Kato playing really well with the time and the opportunity that he's getting, which is really good to see. And you know, before we wrap things up, uh, I guess we'll do a quick series prediction for this weekend in Houston. I remember I predicted uh, this past series three out of four. Jacob, I don't know if you did this or did the same. Did you do the same for this past series? 
I no, I think I did a split. You, you did a split. Okay, a win. So there you go. So we were the more optimistic ones, and let's see what happens with this one. So you mentioned it already with the pitching matchup tonight. I'll go over it quickly again. You got Her- Jose Urquidy against Yusei Kikuchi game one. Game two, you have Luis Garcia against Jose Barrios, and Garcia was and Garcia and your. Uh, your Kitty were the were the ones that the Jays saw last weekend in Houston. And then Sunday in the th- in the final game, you got Framber Valdez starting with for Houston, and then you got Kevin Gosman on the mound for the Jays. Now, you know we know Yusei Kikuchi is kind of a coin flip. So you look at Saturday, Sunday, you're definitely probably more comfortable with those games or more confident, I should say, because of who's starting. But I will leave the prediction up to you. What do you got? I said going into the last Houston series, a win. I'll take it. I, I think that they take two of three. To be fair, like they could have easily swept that last series. Like they played a lot better than the Astros, so I'll take a, I'll take two out of three. I think is my prediction for this one. I'm not gonna say a, a sweep because that like I don't think anyone can really predict a sweep unless it's Blue Jays versus Orioles. But I'll take a two out of three series win. I think you got good guys going to the mound. If you get a good start out of uh, Yusei Kikuchi today, or even even a decent start. And you get the offense that you can reasonably expect. I I don't think two out of three is is unreasonable at all. Yeah, I think any kind of start from Yusei Kikuchi, if you get five innings out of him, I think that's definitely a win for somebody who's kind of a roller coaster. I think that's the term I used with you guys in terms of the Yusei Kikuchi experience. So I don't know. I feel like it's just it's difficult because. All month, they haven't lost a series. They've won every series. And I kind of want to stay on that. I want to be optimistic this series, so I'll do it. I will say two out of three with you on this, Jacob. Um, I think definitely if Yusei Kaguchi could put up a good performance tonight, that definitely increases the chance of a a sweep. But we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. And we know the Jays were very close to sweeping the Astros last weekend. So everything's kind of up in the air on that one. But you feel pretty confident Saturday, Sunday with uh, Barrios and Gosman back-to-back. So... I believe that covers everything, and we will wrap it up there, and we will be back at the end of this upcoming series. As always, Mark will be back as the host, of course, and you can support our podcast by finding us on social media at Section138Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which helps spread the word of what we're doing. You can listen to our episode wherever you find them, and you can watch them on YouTube. Thanks to Jacob, Zed, and uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you at the end of the weekend.